Georgia's DBHDD is urging people to store and lock away all medications to prevent theft and keep them away from children and pets. Old medications can be disposed at Dropbox locations. Dropbox locations can be found at opioidresponse.info. We're beginning another new week on Political Rewind, and I hope all of you, uh, like my family, had a chance to get out and enjoy the extraordinary spring weather that we had, certainly here in North Georgia. Um, I think it was good weather across the state uh, as I looked at the map, so I hope everybody enjoyed it. Here at our house, um, we've been feeding birds all winter, and now they've really arrived in force. My big goal, the hummingbird feeders went out over the weekend, and it's a question of how soon before the hummingbirds start showing up, Uh, because they're always the bird that I personally really love to watch the most. So spring has arrived in the state of Georgia. Um, You know, I, I think everybody knows by now that Georgia is at the center of the national political debate these days. We're now more purple than ever. We had the Senate runoff elections. Uh, Joe Biden won the state on the presidential level. So there's no reason why we wouldn't expect Georgia to be at the center of uh, attention, especially after the election laws that were passed in the legislature a couple of weeks ago. But if that's the case, then today, today, it is Cobb County in the state of Georgia that is truly going to be at the center of attention, and we'll talk about why that is as we proceed with the show. I have a couple of great Cobb County panelists on the show today, one being my Monday partner on the show, former AJC political columnist Jim Galloway. How are you doing up there in Cobb today, Jim? I'm doing fine. We've already had our first hummingbird. Oh, you have? Oh, yeah. All right. All right. I'm jealous. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. I'm glad to have you. Another Cobb County panelist on the show today, Sam Olins, who is the chairman of the Cobb County uh, Commission before moving on to be the attorney general of the state of Georgia, uh, and uh, now is an attorney with Denton's, the world's largest law firm. Uh, Sam, uh, we're going to talk in just a couple minutes about the fact that Governor Kemp will be in Cobb today. It's one of the reasons it's the center of attention. Um, you going to be at that uh, annual chamber luncheon this afternoon? I'll be watching everything that occurs there, Bill. And, and you might say that uh, looking outside the window that today is a wonderful chamber of commerce day. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> Thank you, Sam, uh, for being here. Michael Thurman is with us uh, today. Michael, the CEO of DeKalb County, um, has served in any number of capacities, starting with his when he was just a young political activist uh, serving in the Georgia House of Representatives from his hometown of Athens, Georgia. Hello, Michael. How are you? Good morning, Bill. Delighted to be with you. Yeah, we're glad to have you here. And Donald Lowry, uh, finally getting a break after working way too hard hosting lawmakers at GPB-TV. But Donna, we cannot let you go completely because nobody followed the election laws with the same intensity that you and your lawmakers team did. And we are going to be talking a bit about them today. So thank you so much for being with us. Happy to be here, Bill. All right. um, Let's talk about this. Jim Galloway, um, why don't we just start very simply 
with the fact that Governor Kemp had been invited uh, quite a while ago to be the speaker at the annual Cobb County uh, uh, Chamber of Commerce luncheon today, but the timing works out uh, pretty interestingly considering the blowback that has happened as a result of MLB pulling the All-Star game out of Cobb County. Uh, It's an interesting opportunity for the uh, governor, Jim. Yeah, it is. It is. It's it's uh, uh, look, this 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 whole uh, kind of uh, argument over the over the election law has 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 served to unify, I think, the Republican Party a little bit more. It's gotten gotten it's gotten Kemp over the anti-Trump hump, I think. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, you st- the the president uh, still went after him uh, this weekend, but it's a good chance for him to kind of renew his ties with uh, with with the base and with and 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 most importantly with the with the Georgia business community, uh, which is is kind of nervous over this election law, and and if you remember, I mean, look, uh, when 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 Cobb County uh, lured the Braves across the Chattahoochee River. The, the concept was that the Braves wanted a, a, a complex, a hotel, a restaurant, a, a kind of an event complex. So you've got a lot of retail retailers just uh, they're, they're living and dying by what happens in that stadium right now. Sam Olins, um, if you were giving advice to Governor Kemp today, how would you tell him to handle his conversation? We know Cobb is essentially more blue than it is red these days. Um, and so, uh, I, but he, he will be talking to a lot of business leaders at the chamber. How does he position himself today? How critical should he go on the attack as he has been doing against MLB, against business, businesses that have spoken out against the new law? How should he present himself today? And by the way, of course, um, we're doing the show live in the morning. If you're listening at two in the afternoon, he's already done it. Sam? <laughs> so a lot of the business leaders in the room are Cobb County business leaders as compared to the larger corporate community that, of course, has many uh, folks in the Galleria area as long as you know other parts of metro Atlanta. Uh, I, I think he's going to frankly say that uh, the president was wrong and that the bill is uh, – is not Jim Crow, as the president promptly stated. Um, I I hope that he will tone down some of the red meat because it is a chamber crowd and not a political event. But he's going to have a lot of friends in that room. And and frankly, even our new county chairwoman, I think, has done a really nice job of um, opposing the legislation but also opposing the move along with one of our South Cobb commissioners. So I think many of the Democrats in the county are frankly not happy with the relocation to Denver. Uh, you know, Donna, uh, Sam makes a, a good point. Uh, the new chair of the Cobb County Commission, Lisa Cupid, a Democrat, uh, opposes the election laws, he said, but she spoke out pretty strongly when uh, Major League Baseball pulled the All-Star game. She thought that, she said, that's the wrong way to handle this. She was critical in a, in a mild way of President Biden, who's, who had suggested that he'd be fine uh, if MLB took the action that they eventually uh, did. So Cupid's in an interesting example of a Democrat who uh, is worried about the economic consequences and yet also has to continue 
to uh, look at the election law and criticize what what she and other many others see as suppression in that law. Yeah, she she heard about it too. Uh, came out right away with it. Said that this is not the right thing for Cobb County, and really did focus a lot on the fact that there will be people in Cobb County heard about it, hurt because of it. And she really wanted to make sure that people understood that that the boycott was not going to hurt the people that they um, they thought it would hurt, um, that it would hurt the people who really need jobs in the area, uh, the people who are the parking attendants, the people who are working at the stadium in, in jobs who have been struggling. And so, yeah, she's she's been very, very, very good at explaining that she is a Cobb County person first when it comes to things. And um, that she, the, even though the election laws were not what she wanted, but that this was the better way to go was to find something else other than the MLB leaving. Michael? I agree. Chair uh, Lady, Cupid, I think recognizes that one can oppose the election law and oppose the relocation of the All-Star game. These two issues are not mutually exclusive to one another. Two other things. What you see is that she is the chief elected official in Cobb County. Her concerns expand beyond uh, the election law in terms of creating jobs and economic growth in her county. The broader issue is, and it's not just uh, with, and I think all elected officials and some of our corporate leaders are also struggling with the fact that Georgia is at the national center of a debate, that we are uh, now on the national stage, if you look at the New York Times, the Washington Post, uh, they've always covered Georgia, but now they're permanently here. And I think uh, leaders in the public and private sector are struggling to get their footing uh, when you have this national spotlight. And even Major League Baseball, the only thing I would say is that the commissioner, I would hope, have listened more closely to Chair Lady Cupid, to people like uh the delegation chair, uh, Eric Allen, and others who spoke more clearly about the challenges associated with this because we are coming in a pandemic that's medical and economic, and this has major implications for small business owners uh, in metro Atlanta. Sam Olins, I want to pick up on something that Jim Galloway just said. Um, it, it is certainly, there's no argument, I think, that Brian Kemp sees the pushback against the, the MLB and the business leaders, say Delta, Coca-Cola, and the like, who have been so critical of the election law. No question that he sees that as a lifeline at a time when he's been under fire by Trump Republicans and Trump himself uh, for not finding a way to overturn the results of the November presidential election. But do you think Galloway is right? I mean, Trump, as, as Jim himself pointed out, Trump attacked him again Saturday night in front of a group of uh, GOP mega donors at an RNC event in Florida. I mean, it appears that, that the former president has no intention of letting up on anyone, including Brian Kemp, who he thinks wronged him in, during the election. So uh, I sort of fall in the middle of the two camps 
Um, I, he had a very good reception, Governor Kemp, when he spoke at the Cobb Republican Party meeting Saturday morning, got a standing ovation. So clearly his actions on Senate Bill 202 have strengthened his reelection. I frankly also don't see Vernon Jones as much of an opponent. Uh, you know, I wish that the CEO would take him back. Uh, I mean, uh, Vernon Jones as a Republican is laughable, um, and neither party really wants him when, when it comes right down to it. Um, <laughs> I, I think there will be a real opponent for the governor in the Republican primary, um, but I, I, I hesitate, hesitate to say that, the, well, I don't hesitate to say it's not Vernon. <laughs> you know, let's, Jim, let's just for our listeners make sure they understand <laughs> why Sam mentioned Vernon Jones. So in the aftermath of, of Kemp uh, getting to uh, go after business leaders, MLB, uh, and, a, and probably, as you point out, uh, strengthening his hand in terms of his reelection bid, Doug Collins, who had been seen as a potentially really powerful opponent in a primary, seems to have backed away and decided he may want to go after uh, Raphael Warnock in a Senate race next year which there are other Republicans, of course, who might jump into the governor's race. Nevertheless, the name that keeps popping up is former Democratic state legislator and a predecessor of Michael Thurman's in the office <clears> of <throat> the cab CEO, who became a... <laughs> who became, and we'll let you have a chance at this too, Michael. Uh, so now Vernon Jones pops up. He was a big Trump guy after being a Democrat his entire career. And the question that Jolt asks this morning, your former uh, 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 place of business, Jim, is Is the would an endorsement by Donald Trump, even of Vernon Jones, be enough to get him past Brian Kemp? You know, uh, many people not, may not realize that Vernon Jones has declared himself uh, to be a Republican because he made that he made that de declaration on January sixth in Washington D.C. on 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 the stage on the on the ellipse of of, of uh, 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 the same place where where Donald Trump uh, later spoke. So so, but he has been but he has been a regular, uh, regular. Uh, he he was a regular feature at, at Trump rallies during the presidential campaign. There is a Jones, who is contemplating a a a bid against uh, a bid a bid against uh, uh, Brian Kemp, and that but but that is yes. Burt Jones, uh, Burt the state Jones. senator out of uh, out, out of Jackson. Uh, uh, he is. He is. He's. He's. Uh, uh, this is. He, he's the fellow. That he, uh, he's probably best known for proposing the state takeover of the of the Atlanta airport. But uh, that's. But he's. But he's. But he's. He's from a, a, a well-to-do family. He's got. He's. He's got some some good political chops. And I think if 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 there is a threat to, to the governor, that's where it's going to come from on the Republican side. We should also point out, though, Jim, that Burt Jones was also very, very actively involved in promoting the election laws, which we uh, oh, absolutely, yes, have, oh, yes, which are now at the center of such enormous controversy. Michael Thurman, would you please explain why, when the name Vernon Jones comes up, people tend to uh, dismiss him so quickly? Well, I don't know. I'm not one of those people because. You know, as an individual, Vern uh, is a smart guy. Now, we question his politics and uh, his opportunism and the things. And, you know, right now he's not a Democrat. He's 
uh, issue uh, uh, that the Republicans have to deal with. But, uh, you know, he's one of the more interesting characters uh, in Georgia politics right now. But one thing I do want to say is that the governor clearly strengthened his campaign in the Republican primary. He's yet to be seen as to whether or not this move actually strengthens him in a general election. And that we, we need to differentiate between those two things because uh, the biggest challenge I see for Republicans right now is that they've gotten crossways with a key aspect of what has been their historical base, which is corporate America and particularly corporate leaders in Georgia. And that is the real challenge, I think that they've loosened the ties that bind, that have bound Republicans uh, with corporate Georgia. And I, I think they found themselves out of step uh, with this new generation of corporate leaders. And that is a real looming threat on the horizon for all Republicans, uh, not just the governor. You know, Michael, I'm glad you brought that up because that's the, the, what I want to turn to now, actually. Donna, let me start with you on this. Um, we understand that Democrats and Republicans have tended to uh, frame their arguments as scorched earth uh, attacks on one another. There is no middle ground anymore. The attacks are vicious. They uh, are often uh, not necessarily honest and accurate. That's one thing. But what's happened, it seems, with Kemp, with Mitch McConnell in Washington, is that they've decided to apply that same sort of scorched earth approach to how they're dealing with the business leaders who are op opposed to this election law. And, and I wonder, McConnell sort of tried to walk back a little bit of what he said. I really kind of wonder if at some point Republicans are going to kind of shake their heads, clear them out, and, and take a deep breath and say, we really can't pursue these businesses like Delta Airlines, Coca-Cola Company, as if they were partisan opponents. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it's, it's when it hits in the pocket, <clears throat> excuse me, that that's going to be the big issue because um, they're, you know, when it, when it comes to politics, we've always seen the Republicans align themselves with um, these big corporate leaders. And right now they're finding ways to back away because of what's going on and coming out um, asking for boycotts and those kinds of things that actually don't seem to work on the Republican side as much uh, is, um, is hurting their chances when it comes to that. And as, um, there was a meeting yesterday, actually, to, to look at for corporate leaders to look at how to deal with these new election laws in Georgia in a way that doesn't necessarily mean doing what the um, Major League Baseball did and moving out the, the all-star games, but figuring out other ways of maybe even taking away access to, to money, corporate don donations and all for the Republican Party. So I, there are about a, a hundred, um, we're hearing from the Wall Street Journal, more than a hundred corporate executives got together over the weekend uh, virtually to talk about other ways to do things. And a lot of this was led by um, some, some black corporate leaders who felt who got together a few weeks ago and decided that this was something that they wanted to do. And so one of the things that they're um, 
that they're looking at is definitely trying to put a um, clamp on what's coming out um, financially from corporations. And so they're looking at them differently now. Sam, um, I really love your take on this because as a chairman of the county, especially, uh, you always you knew you had to work with the businesses in your community um, to uh, try to give Cobb County what it you know what it would make it a better place to be. Um, but so so what we've got right now is this we've turned upside down the past kind of tradition. Corporations donated to Republicans because Republicans in turn this is nationally. Uh, primarily, gave companies tax breaks, other incentives, and that relationship was pretty solid. Is it now coming unraveled? So, you know, look, the state is leaning blue, if it's not blue already. Michael stated that earlier. If you're a business leader now, you need to, for the first time in maybe 15, 20 years, you need to make sure that you have really solid relations with the leaders of both political parties in our state. Few do. You also, frankly, need to change the paradigm because checks do not equal support. Dinner does not equal support. But what's missing here, in my humble opinion, is the relationships. And the only way you solve this issue is it's bilateral. It's both the elected leadership having better relationships with the corporate leadership and vice versa. One dinner and two drinks doesn't cut it. A check doesn't cut it. And candidly, I think the corporate community, frankly, has not expended the energy necessary for those positive relationships. I think I think the blame is on both sides. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and this may sound like I'm taking taking the conversation in a different direction, but I don't think I am. Uh, if let's let's raise uh, let's talk about what happened with uh, the the SK battery factory over the weekend, uh, because what you had there was you had a you have a, a, a Korean battery company coming into to 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 Jackson County up up uh, up up uh, eighty five. Uh, it had been uh, uh, it had been challenged by a separate company, uh, L- LG, uh, another Korean company. LG, uh, 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 help me out here, Sam. What was what's the official title here? Well, the, the L- new company name is LG Energy Solutions. Exactly, and okay, and LG Energy Solutions had 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 had, had accused uh, the, the SK Battery Factory of stealing its its uh, its information. And we had a U.S. we had a U.S. trade panel that agreed that this was the case. So you had uh, Governor Brian Kemp and Republicans in the Capitol uh, in the first of March put, for, put forward a a resolution uh, that ur- urging Biden, Joe Biden, the president, in order to 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 preserve this battery factory, to uh, to veto the U.S. trade panel's decision, uh, which would have amounted to a president endorsing the theft of trade secrets, which was a, a really difficult position. So what happened? 
What happened was Democrats got in there and they said, no, we want a, a settlement. That resolution that I mentioned, SR-201, the, the wording was changed so that it, it, it urged a, a settlement between the two parties. You had two our two new U.S. senators, John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock, really insert themselves into the in, into the situation, and and we came out clean with a with a settlement over the weekend, and so you have several thousand jobs saved in Georgia. That that to me bespeaks of a a corporate corporate relationship. Uh, with a, a, a new corporate relationship between uh, with, with Democrats that's building. And Michael, that is way business, you know, traditionally we all think, certainly in the city of Atlanta, about, you know, they, the city prides itself on saying for decades when uh, the rest of the South was burning, it was business leaders, political leaders, clergy who were able to come together and keep the the peace because they worked so well together. So there's this long tradition, but go ahead and comment on what you're hearing uh, in any way you want to, Michael. Well, I, I want to follow back up on something Sam said and what Jim just alluded to, it, and I think Donna spoke to it as well. Uh, corporate leadership has to reposition itself to the changing political environment. Uh, what they were struggling with is the relationships over the last 20 years that basically been all Republicans. It's interesting that I don't know one single Democratic elected official who has officially stated that they supported a boycott of any of these corporations uh, when you really think about it. And that's what kind of shocked myself and the rest of us with Major League Baseball making the decision that it made when not one single Democrat, particularly African-American Democrat, had actually called for a boycott. Even uh, Bishop Jackson and the minister said within a certain period of time, and they've now walked that back. So what has to occur is that evolution. And people like Chris Womack uh, at Georgia Power, see, one of the things that corporate CEOs have now that they've never had is they got an African-American CEO of the most politically influential corporation in the state of Georgia. And obviously they need to engage and seek counsel from people who may have more intelligence and understanding as to what is occurring on the ground. Even what happened in the Masters, and this is shameless, the Masters partnered with Payne College, full disclosure, I'm a graduate of Payne College, to honor Lee Elder this past weekend. And that was a small demonstration, but things went all, I think, better than anyone at hoped. So we're in a new world, a new place, and Democrats will be smart to meet corporate leadership halfway to determine how we can continue to grow this economy, to create jobs, and improve the quality of life for all of our citizens. But, Michael, isn't what happened that led to MLB, that led to the, to the uh, late but meaningful statements by Coca-Cola, by Delta Airlines, isn't what really happened here that this got out of the control of state Democrats, Georgia Democrats, even the Stacey Abrams of the, of the state? Once this became a national issue, and once it became framed as a civil rights issue, it strikes me that the national conversation about, there you go again, Georgia, the South, this is Jim Crow 2.0. Isn't it true, Michael, that the national conversation is what really 
um, overcame anybody in Georgia saying, don't boycott, don't boycott. Well, brilliant analysis. Absolutely. Remember, I go back. We are now in this national environment with national media. But I would ask national players, such as the commissioner, Major League Baseball and others, don't presume to know what is in the best interest of the people here in Georgia. That is, that's the concern I have. Before you make decisions or, or assumptions about what is in the best interest of Georgia or Metro Atlanta or Cobb County, at least take the time to engage those leaders, elected and otherwise, to engage them in terms of what strategy should be employed and in what timetable. I think that was the misstep. It got away, and consequently people was going like, what happened here? And that's the problem unless people on the national level become more respectful. And, you know, sometimes it's this southern thing. Sometimes people who are not from the south tend to marginalize people who are from the south and our leadership skills. I've got to get to break. Before I do, really quick, Donna, um, you, you pointed to something that I think is we've got to close this part of the conversation out with. Um, one of the things that those hundred business leaders d- talked about this weekend is, um, and you said it in a broad way, is it, they are looking at should we stop contributing to the campaigns of Republicans who are passing, supporting what they see as voter suppression laws. And, and it strikes me, Donna, that can have a major impact on how candidates think or incumbents think about their position vis-a-vis business leaders. No, absolutely. I think their big thing is to call for more voting access and not what uh, what we saw here in Georgia, which was restricting access. Although, you know, the governor does say it expands voting access, the, the, uh, the law does, and it does in terms of rural areas and very small pieces, like the drop, adding drop box and adding the, um, the access to vote, early voting. But it, the main thing is that there it, it is a bad look for these corporate executives to not want to go for voter, full voting access to make sure that they are on that side of uh, history, in a sense, uh, in terms of what's going on. So I think that was, that was the main purpose, I think, it sounds like, from this me- of this meeting, to say to them, hey, look, if you don't say this, this looks like you're not. Um, asking for everyone to be able to have access to the ability to vote. Okay, okay, got to interrupt. I am way late for the first break in today's show, but we have a lot more to talk about after these messages. Thanks for listening to Political Rewind. If you like this show, you'll also like Georgia Today. It's a daily podcast from GPB News, bringing you compelling stories and in-depth reporting that you won't hear anywhere else. Join me, Peter Biello, for this quick and convenient way to get the best of GPB News' extensive coverage of the topics that matter to you, delivered directly to your device every weekday afternoon. We're back with uh, Donna Lowry. Jim Galloway, Sam Olins, Michael Thurman, uh, talking about uh, what's in the news politically uh, today. Um, Let me start with you, if I may, Sam, because um, you've been a Republican in Georgia for a very long time now. We we learned late last week, according to one of his uh, uh, close associates, that Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan, 
who has not been part of the pro-Trump crowd for months. He's been uh, very clear that he opposed efforts to overturn the election here. He's been incredibly critical of Donald Trump. Uh, and he keeps talking about launching GOP 2.0, which he sees as a way to move beyond Trump. So apparently he's not going to run for re-election. Is there a path for a Jeff Duncan and a non-Trump uh, Republican movement in the months, and for that matter, years ahead? Is Duncan onto something, or is he really, really putting himself in a difficult spot to get anywhere politically over the next couple of years? So I respect the lieutenant governor a lot. I think in many ways uh, he has been the leader of the policy discussion among Republican uh, leadership the last several years. Um, I'm not going to assume that he's not running for re-election until he himself says it rather than one of his um, folks, albeit senior leadership. I think it is clearly very difficult next year in Georgia, along with many other parts of this country, if you're not a Trumper, but from my perspective, God bless him, because I think the strength of the Republican Party has absolutely nothing to do with the former president. And I think the Republican Party and the Democratic Party both need the old Republican Party back, the party of limited government, the, the party uh, that are low taxes, et cetera. Both parties need each, need each other to succeed, and at the moment, the Republican Party is simply an outlier, uh, which hurts uh, the Democratic Party as well as traditional Republicans. Yeah, Jim, I wonder, as Duncan looks around him, who does he spot who becomes part of his movement moving forward, an anti-Trump movement. I don't, certainly in the state of Georgia, there aren't a lot of folks who are about to line up and march with him. No, no, there's, I, I, don't, I don't think there's a, 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 a Republican elected official who's, I, I can't, can't think of one right now off the top of my head who's willing to, to jump on that bandwagon. Uh, it, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, Bill. I mean, we've seen, we're, we're in the middle of a period in which uh, holding the number two spot in the state capitol doesn't mean as much as it used to. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, if you look back to Zell Miller, who was who was <laughs> waited 16 years as lieutenant governor before he <clears throat> was able to run successfully for governor, but in in that mix, you've uh, also in that mix you've had Pierre Howard. Uh, uh, we just uh, uh, Casey Cagle tried to make that leap uh, 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 years uh, three years ago, didn't make it, and uh, and now we've got a, another one who's 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 bowing out. Uh, you know, it, it, it may be one of those situations where, where where Jeff Duncan is making a career move outside of uh, outside of the, the, the Republican hierarchy. Well, he's certainly spending enough time on CNN and other cable channels that if he wanted to hire an agent, he could very easily become an analyst for one of the cable networks. Uh, he's and he, got and all he's, of and, it takes for that. <laughs> right, and he's, and he's very telegenic. Yeah. Hey, Michael, I think that uh, uh, Jim said something interesting by talking about lieutenant governors not being the powers they used to be. In part, that's because um, uh, other Senate leadership have, over the years, 
uh, in, in different administrations, taken power away from the lieutenant governor. They have, you know, the Senate Majority Leader have they have they have worked necessarily at times against the lieutenant governor, or whatever. And it, you were in the legislature back when Zell Miller was lieutenant governor. And, of course, the joke back then was to introduce him as lieutenant governor for life, Zell Miller. Well, that's true. And I'll add Mark Taylor to the list, you know, who attempted to rise to the governorship. But I think we may be entering into an era where that might change, uh, particularly depending on how 2022 plays out. Uh, everything is in flux, that, and that's one of the realities and one of the things that is most challenging to be an elected official right now is to be in an era where everything is in flux. Uh, the alliances are shifting. The issues that once uh, were associated with one party, now you got the Democrats seem to be more aligned with corporate America than the Republicans. It is an amazing moment in the history of our state. But one thing I want to say, let's go back to Major League Baseball. I'm not so certain that if that was the proper coalition of Democratic, Republican, elected, non-elected spiritual leaders who actually advocated and went to Major League Baseball, is it possible we could get the All-Star game back, even at this late date, or at least position us to get it back some point in the near future? I don't think, quote, and this is, a, I grew up on a farm, that the cow is not fully out of the barn there. Only the tail remains, but I think that a mature <laughs> moment of leadership, and see, this is where we are. We have to have uh, leadership, because I think all of this uh, red meat, you know, playing to the national talk shows does not serve the best interests of Georgia well. It's easy to get on, and it's easy to, you know, spew the red meat, but the real question is what can I do or should I do? Oh, how should I present myself in a way that's going to help the most people in this state? And that's where our leaders need to move themselves and position themselves, frankly, not so much for the national media, but for what's in the best interest of the people of Georgia. And then I think we'll find more solutions than we find this toxicity and this anger and this vitriol that's defining what Georgia politics is right now. And Donna and then Sam, that is, we go right back to where I started today's conversation. What kind of mood does Brian Kemp bring to the Chamber of Commerce luncheon in Cobb County uh, at noon? Does he extend the very angry, vitriolic language that he used in attacking Major League Baseball, in attacking homegrown companies, Coca-Cola and Delta Airlines, or is this a moment where leaders like Kemp take a deep breath and say, we got to find a way through this together. Now, he's got to think about his audience today and that audience with Lisa Cupid as the commissioner and others. And that changing demographics in that county in particular is one of those things he's got. He, I, I don't think he can be as angry as he was the other day um, when he was before the, uh, the audience in that area. But I, um, so I think it is up to him to look at making sure he doesn't sound as um, he, that he is willing to walk a more middle uh, line and more go towards a middle ground in that area. Because, uh, frankly, you know, we've seen Gwinnett make major changes, but Cobb County has changed quite a bit 
in terms of the uh, the demographics in that area and the leadership in that area. And Lisa Cupid, as the um, black commissioner of that, um, the county commissioner, is an example of that. So I don't think he goes in with the same, he, does, he doesn't have the same audience he's had when he's just talking to the GOP. Sam, does Michael make a point? Of course he makes a point. You know, any day we're in the national press being criticized is not a good day for economic development in our state. So I think at a given point, everyone to once again uh, retool and start working on encouraging business investment of existing and new businesses in our state, because that is, in fact, the growth of the tax rolls. All right, Sam Olins gets the last word in this segment of the show. I want to get our final break out of the way, and uh, when we come back, we'll have more on today's Political Rewind. Quick program note before we get back to our conversation for uh, today. We've got a couple of, I think, uh, particularly interesting special theme shows coming up for you in the next couple of days. Tomorrow, former U.S. Senator Saxby Chambliss is going to be uh, one of the panelists who is going to join Tamar Hallerman and me to look at the filibuster. From a historical point of view, Joel Crispino from Emory University will be here to talk about that, as well as what's at stake when some Democrats are talking about eliminating the filibuster. Um, and, And at the same time, we're going to look at just what reconciliation actually is. We hear the term used a lot these days. It is a tool that the Biden administration used for the COVID relief package and could very well use for the infrastructure package. What is reconciliation? And what are the dangers of uh, using it as a tool to pass legislation in a very divided Congress? So that's tomorrow. And then on Wednesday, Uh, We're going to use the Derek Chauvin trial uh, as an opportunity to look at racial justice today, at relationships between police and communities, especially minority communities across the state of Georgia. Are things changing? Uh, Is there a lot of work to be done? What about the movement to defund the police? Does that still really resonate with folks? We'll be talking about that on Wednesday. So I'm looking forward to the next couple of days, particularly, and hope you'll all be with us for that. Um, Sam Olins, if I can, I, you had a role in, in the SK Innovations uh, 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 controversy, and so I just want to say that out front. Jim Galloway already explained it, but I think it's worth spending at least a couple more minutes on. SK Innovations is had worked to deal with the state with enormous tax breaks from the state of Georgia to build, I think, the largest battery plant for electric cars in the country. It was going to, the idea is to employ 2,600 uh, workers. And as Jim points out, uh, uh, the International Trade Commission cited SK as stealing trade secrets from its biggest competitor. All this put Biden in a terrible position. He either supported uh, uh, intellectual property laws, or he went with SK and said, I, we got to get all these people working. It was not a great spot for the president to be in, was it, Sam? No, it was a difficult spot, but um, 
Interestingly enough, um, the state senators, uh, the Democratic state senators, really helped change the discussion, uh, further pushing the movement uh, for all parties to resolve the dispute. And our two new uh, freshman Democratic senators eagerly and deliberately pushed the parties toward a resolution uh, both actions helping the president and not having to decide between theft of IP and jobs. Uh, so I think that uh, our, our two senators, frankly, uh, did a very nice job for themselves. Jim, uh, John Ossoff particularly seemed to be uh, right at the heart of the negotiations, goading both companies to continue negotiating over a period of time when things looked fraught. Of course, in the partisan world in which we live today, uh, Governor Kemp was deeply involved in, in, in trying to lobby uh, President Biden, and his people were involved in this effort as well. But of course, given the partisanship of today, when, when the governor released a statement thanking a number of people for their involvement, uh, John Ossoff was noticeably missing from that statement. Right. And, and when Joe Biden uh, uh, was celebrated the news, uh, there was no mention of, of Brian Kemp. Uh, uh, and, and, and he I think he uh, I, I think he pretty much restricted his his uh, his uh, his his, uh, his praise for to the uh, trade uh, U.S. trade representative. So it's yep. it's 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 kind of it's it's kind of uh, it, it's 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 we wouldn't have seen this. Even ten years ago, I don't think. I mean, I think you would have seen a line, uh, you know, from from Governor Deal thanking any Democrat who helped him, uh, uh, who, who uh, look, uh, to, who, who helped him dredge the port of Savannah. Uh, that's just what I was thinking of. Yeah, that's exactly right, Michael. He, you know, Deal uh, uh, was more than willing to give Democrats some credit when when that huge effort was underway in Washington to get the money they needed to uh, 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 deepen the port of Savannah. And that wasn't as long as 10 years ago, and we just have passed a point when people are willing to, to do that sort of uh, acknowledgement of each other's successes. Well, first, I'm happy that the issue resolved itself the way it did. And so all of those Republicans and Democrats who contributed, you know, I offer them a word of thank you. But uh, to your larger point, it is sad, to be quite honest with you, especially in light of the fact that uh, in DeKalb and Cobb and all across this state, we have tens of thousands of people who are still unemployed, trying to get back to work. Uh, we just opened up a rental assistance program where 8,000 people applied within a six-day period. Same thing in Cobb, Gwinnett, and Fulton. People are hurting and struggling. Uh, we have to get them back to work, and that will take a united effort and a united front to get it done. It's just where your priorities lie at this point. But I think uh, as we mature and move forward, uh, hopefully we'll find uh, more politicians, whether it was Nathan Deal or Roy Barnes or anyone, willing to cross the lines and, and do what's best for the people of Georgia. The point is, this is our first Republican governor. Uh, Nathan Deal was a former Democrat. Even Sonny Perdue was a former Democrat. They had a different skill set. So we are learning how to operate in this highly partisan environment, something we didn't have to do prior to now. Um, 
While you've got the ball, uh, I want to change the subject with you, Michael, and ask you about uh, how things are going in terms of uh, vaccination. I want to always remind people the CEO of DeKalb County has nothing to do with getting vaccines to the people. That's the Department of Public Health. Nevertheless, you're obviously aware of what's going on. Uh, as of uh, this weekend, Georgia remains 50th in the country in distributing vaccines. We've got 18 point, just about 19% of Georgians 18 years and older who are fully vaccinated, 37% who have had one dose. That's fine, but we're still lagging behind virtually every other state. Even as the vaccine becomes much more broadly available, how are things in DeKalb County right now? Is it easy to find vaccine, Michael? It is, Dr. Elizabeth Ford and the Board of Health are really doing yeoman's work, uh, getting shots into arms. We've also had community efforts this past Friday and Saturday. Uh, St. Philip's AME Church, uh, working with Walgreens, had, uh, I think, about 2,000 uh, shots available. We encouraged uh, employees and others to come. But it's a challenge. It's statewide, the issue is uh, Republican men, uh, white men who are extremely hesitant as well as people of color. So it's the education, the information, and it will be a long, hard slog to get to where we need to be in terms of herd immunity. Yeah, you know, Donna, uh, Friday we had Dr. Valerie Montgomery Rice, the president of Morehouse School of Medicine, on the show, and she pointed out that, you know, African-Americans are no longer resistant to this vaccine. They are, you know, want it as much as any other group of people out there. But as Michael just pointed out, now it's Republican men who won't get it. Although we should say Sam Olins is not one of those guys. But Donna? <laughs> no, no, it's true. I The conversation has totally changed, I think, in the black community as a lot of the leadership over the months has really shown that it's okay to go ahead and get these shots. The biggest thing, and I and I heard that interview with Dr. Valerie Montgomery Rice, that, that it's access for some people, and they're working to try to get those um, shots right to people through their mobile efforts, you know, mobile vans and that kind of thing. But I have to say that I get my second shot today in DeKalb County. Uh, Michael. Congratulations. Because it's Emory and I'll, I'll be going to the North Lake Mall location. So I will be getting right. mine today in DeKalb oh. County, a Fulton County resident. Well, thank Sam you. Mullins, you, you, you is, we're doing mobile vaccinations, Bill. We're one of the first counties to actually go to homes to homebound seniors and deliver the vaccine. I'm very proud of that. And Sam Olins, we're almost out of time, but you're not one of those who's been reluctant to get vaccinated. You're now, I think, fully vaccinated yourself, right? No, actually, I'm fully vaccinated as of tomorrow. Uh, since oh. I'm not, since I'm not 65 yet, I needed to wait, and I uh, had the Moderna. And the Moderna vaccine, you have to go four weeks rather than the Pfizer for three. So I'll join Donna tomorrow. All right. Well, congratulations to both of you. Jim Galloway's vaccinated. I know Michael Thurman is as well. So am I. We're out of time for today's show. Thank you all for being with me. We're back again tomorrow. Until then, I'm Bill Nygut. Take care. Stay healthy. Wear a mask. And yeah, put it over your nose, for goodness sake. And if you don't have a vaccine, go get one. See you all tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs>